Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Shining in hell. Lord, we'll Saxon Jacks after tomorrow. Big Pep is on the board. S&P Futures down 650. NASDAQ Futures down 16. Do we have uh, Mr. Carl? You most certainly do. How are you, bud? What's a good word on a well, Tuesday morning? Well, you know, uh, funny thing about uh, so-called social media. Uh, yesterday, uh, Lindsey Graham uh, was shooting off his mouth like he likes to do about how we should go bomb Iran. In fact, he was very emphatic. Oh yeah, whole whole string of tweets ending with "hit them hard, hit them now." Um, so uh, Tom Massey, you guys all know who he is, right? You know, he's tends to tends to uh, be a little more constitutionalist about such things than uh, the average congressperson. Uh, put up a thing and said, uh, "What say you on X about this?" And my answer was, "I would vote to bomb him." Meaning, ah. uh, you know, yeah, meaning Lindsay. Uh, that drew me a 12-hour stay in Gitmo, Twitmo. Careful, you can't get out of there. Well, I got out. Uh, you know, it was 12-hour stay. Um, but here's and, and supposedly the uh, the policy I violated was advocating violence. Um, okay, so explain this one to me. Uh, if I say I'm going to vote for a politician, a president, for example, because you know presidents can declare war, right? I, I vote. I'm going to vote for a politician who will go to war. That is forbidden speech. I cannot actually drop a bomb on Lindsey Graham because I don't happen to be the president um, of Iran or of anyone else. Uh, however, a sitting senator who happens to be on armed services and actually has the ability to to create policy really does have the ability to do it. Uh, could say, go kill people, which is advocating violence, directly advocating violence. It's, it's okay. That's okay because it's somebody else. Well, and and then here's the other question, Chief. Um, could a sitting congressperson say, blow up Tel Aviv or Beijing? No, that's uh, one of the issues we talked about yesterday on the show. Before we start blowing anybody up, we got to figure out who's doing what where. <laughs> well, it, it'd probably be a good idea. I mean, 
Okay, so I mean, I get it that Iran, you know, Iran's always the boogeyman, right? We've, we've, you always got to have a boogeyman. Yeah, except that they, they're getting their stuff from somebody, too. Well, yeah, and, and nobody seems to wish to pay attention to the larger issue here, which is that if you really want, I mean, <laughs> probably it goes back further than this, if you really want to, but we, we started this when we, the United States, decided that British Petroleum's property being expropriated meant that we had the right to overthrow the government, the sitting elected government of Iran, Nobody, okay, wants, now, yeah, course, but no, nobody, nobody wants to actually look at any history. It's well, you know, we did that 70 years ago, yeah. but we did do it, right? And, and we... Well, actually, well, we put the Shah in there, right? Right. Well, that was... Yeah, that's exactly right. We, uh, we overthrew the sitting government, uh, and, you know, we've, we've had this little problem with them ever since. Go figure, right? Um, and then... You know, I'm not, I, I do not... If you have this at the tip of your tongue... I do not uh, <clears throat> remember who the what the government was before the Shah. It was it was a well, you know, it's hard to it's it's kind of hard to uh, describe exactly what it was, but but Iran's been around for an awfully long well, no, time. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you like, know. it's like the, almost yeah. the cradle of civilization, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean it's it, there's, oh boy, right? Yeah, and and, and they weren't always um, a bunch of crazies. They kind of became that. They, they kind of got made that way, as opposed to being that way. Yeah, I mean, they're not. This is not a shot at any Arabs, right? But they're they're not Arabs. They're, they're Persians, and of course, if you tell them they're Arabs, they're pissed off. Well, and and uh, they're also not just a bunch of camel jockeys either. There's there's a, there's a surprisingly um, for a lot of people, anyway, uh, level of of understanding and intelligence and operational capacity within that society. I mean, it always has been, and uh, of course, that has a lot to do with the, their, uh, you know, historically, they're they're kind of where a lot of everything that we have as a civilization came from. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> Of course, you know, land changes hands, uh, politicians change, uh, people fall out of favor, people fall in favor, whatever have you. Okay, fine. Uh, but the other thing that we, we ought to keep in mind, and nobody, nobody, you know, oh boy, you don't want to bring this one up. One of the, one of the rallying cries around the United States political scene for the last you know, 30 years, almost the entire time I've been an adult, really, maybe even longer than that then, uh, is, you know, these people are seeking a nuclear weapon. They must not get it. We must do whatever is necessary, including killing them all, if we have to, in order to stop it. You know, has has anybody ever... Uh, are people geographically challenged? They've never looked at a map. Oh, no, they're, they're surrounded by people with nuclear, nuclear weapons. They happen to share a very long land border with Pakistan. Yeah. Which, by the way, has nuclear weapons. Do they have, you know, uh, when you say they have nuclear weapons, though, do they have the ability to deliver them in any way, shape, or form? I mean, Pakistan? Pakistan? Yeah. Oh, good God, yeah. Well, I mean, but they don't, have, they, don't have a, they don't have a heavy bomber. They don't have a, do they have a missile? I mean, I don't know. I'm asking the question. Yeah, no, they, no, they have missiles. In fact, one of the, the concerns, the low-simmering concerns, is that, you know, India has them as well. Okay. 
and the in India and Pakistan, you know, sort of split off from the same place. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And they, and they really don't like each other very much. Well, they, they fight every now and then. Well, y- yeah, and there's been some concern that at some point one of them might get mad enough to, you know, boom, boom. Well, I mean, I, so, I, I mean, you guys know more about this. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm, for the listeners and for me. When somebody says somebody has nuclear capability, does that mean? I mean, I, I don't know what exactly. I mean, obviously, our stuff. I don't think they have ICBMs um, that it can go three-stage rockets. I don't think they have submarines. I mean, th- we're talking about something they can put together and haul somewhere in a truck and blow it. I mean, what are we? I mean, I don't know what we're talking about. What, 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 and there's such a huge. Well, there's a there's a large yeah. There's I mean, okay. You you give me a a. Uh, couple of hunks of uranium fissile material uh, of the correct mass not all in one place thank you very much uh, and some fairly basic machining tools and I can make something that will go boom in my garage alright now anyone that thinks that it's hard you're wrong it's not it won't be very efficient but doesn't have to be very efficient I mean the whole point is just to make it go boom right I mean you know I thought but I mean we had in World War II, I mean, the whole idea that, I mean, Germany, Germans could have had a bomb. No, they couldn't have. I mean, it took, wasn't there like 150,000 people working on this for two years? And how many bazillion uh, pounds of, uh, or tons of stuff that we have to go through to get? I mean, it was a massive deal. Not to mention the fact, you know, all kinds of optics to to be able to, to, to create critical mass in the middle and get the first one going. I mean, it's not easy. I don't think. Well, well, it, it wasn't easy to figure it out originally, mostly because we weren't exactly sure. I mean, we had we had theoretical calculations, but until they actually do it, you don't know they're right. Okay, and so there was the the original core uh, got to be known as the Demon Core because it killed several people, and the they 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 literally had to take these pieces of it, separate it a little bit, and and slowly slowly bring them together with a, a counter so they could detect the increase of course if if it came all the way together if you if your calculations were correct it was going to explode well did you happen to read not to know what was the, the uh tom clancy book where the guys blew off the nuclear bomb in uh denver oh you're, you're talking about some of all fears yeah and the yeah they made a movie out of that i actually have the movie it's it's not a bad film but the the level of detail and the amount of chapters it went through for them to... Didn't they end up kidnapping some guy who did uh, ground glasses or something? And he Well, there's... Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, it, it. there's... The thing is, is that, uh, you know, that whole... That whole chain of events, um, you know, of course it's fictional, but, you know... How but I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the detonator. The thing that starts, it has to be amazingly precise to get the other stuff rolling, right? Well, that de- that depends on what you're making. Okay, now the you know we dropped two of them in Japan. The first one was was a very simple contraption, uh, it was basically a gun, for all intents and purposes. You take two pieces of fissile material and you have them separated by a relatively short distance. You put some explosives behind them and you mash them together and they go off. That's easy. But don't they have now, to? Well, according to the book, anyway. They have to be focused tremendously, so they all—they're like in a sphere. 
Well, it, that's the okay. So and that you was and you second. drive them toward the middle, and then it, it blows in the middle. So you don't need very well, much. Well, that's the well. That yeah, like I said, there's two designs. Okay, for a basic fission weapon. That the, the first one was the one that we dropped on Hiroshima, which was not that. It was a it was a very simple gun style thing that anybody could make. The the one we dropped on Nagasaki uh, was was a sphere. The material was a sphere. And, and yes, there the problem is is that you have to have the correct kind of explosives and they have to you essentially have to focus it because it has to all crunch it into that critical space, okay? And it all has to go off exactly correctly. You know, the machining on that is, a, is pretty precise. That one's kind of tough. Well, that's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind they were describing in the book. Right, and that's, and, well, and that one's smaller in terms of the, the minimum size you can make it and still have it work. Uh, it, it's easier to make the other, but the thing is, the point, point being, somebody who just wants something that goes boom and doesn't really care if it's efficient, doesn't really care if it's, uh, you know, I mean, do, do, do you, if, if you want to make a nuclear bomb and you're a terrorist, do you really care if it has, you know, 20 kilotons of yield or if it has one kiloton of yield? And no, all you really care about is it goes bang. And it makes a big mess and sprays a bunch of radioactive stuff all over the place. And, and oh, my God, nuclear bomb, right? Uh, I mean, do you get much less efficiency if you're, if you're in prison? Well, yes, you do. But the fact is, is it still makes a mess. It still sprays radiation all over the place. It's still bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, and that's not hard. Okay, now actually, now making something small enough that will fit in a missile, that, that's tougher. Okay, because you know, again, you know, you you've got a rocket has to has to lift off and has to have enough thrust and all of this. So, so then every pound makes a difference. Well, yeah, and and uh, you know, I mean, in in the modern era, you know, we don't want one bomb on a missile. We have you know, we have ten bombs in a missile, right? So well, sure, I mean, yeah. yeah. So we want to make them nice and small and compact and efficient and all of that fancy stuff. And then you know, then you get into making thermonuclear, you know, hydrogen bombs, which is a which is a whole other game, but. You know, essentially uses an atom bomb as a trigger, essentially. Well, and the book that was supposed to be a two-stage and it wasn't, right? Was this? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the, 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 the idea. There's there, there's a whole other level of precision that's required to make that work, and that's you know, there's this whole thing. You know, has has North Korea figured that part out? Well, I just I have a you know my as you hear people like uh, who, who's the guy that was, was laboring the president personally as a coward for not bombing people and stuff. Now he. <laughs> He's still okay too. He he he, he could be on TV. <laughs> You're right. It, it is kind of bizarre they do this, but uh, I, I just find I just find the entire thing. You know, I mean, we have to, we we have a current situation that has arisen now where you know we had a you know a couple of our guys got hit by a drone. Okay. By the way, right. was that remind you of uh, Pearl Harbor? They thought it was our drone coming back. Well, I'll tell you what it reminds me of is is DEI and, and massive incompetence. Because I'll tell you what I I have friends of mine who used to be in the field of what what you would call battle space management okay or battlefield management um, they did parts of that kind of job in the military we're better at it well we used to be better at it. I don't know who we are anymore we used to be better at it than anybody else and and that is the element in the modern technology based military that separates the boys from the guys. All right. Because oh, without a doubt. That's why the Russians are getting their, they're essentially can't get anywhere in Ukraine. 
They can't do it. Well, it's also why Ukraine's not getting yeah. anywhere either, though. Well, I mean, yeah, no, but Lou, said, Lou was always talking about how we, we thought, I mean, we, I mean, he's still pretty close to all these guys, and Mike, same way, Mike Murphy, uh, they thought that the Russians had this huge capability of, not as good as us, but of, of tying together all the planes, the tanks, and, and all that stuff, and it turns out they really don't. I mean, their equipment individually evidently is very, very good, but they can't coordinate as well as we thought they I mean, we've actually learned a real lot from their, whatever they're doing in Ukraine. Uh, it's costing a whole lot of lives to learn this stuff, but but I guess, you know, here's my... Well, well, there's well, there's two pieces of this. Okay, one is is the and, and we learned this over in the in the Balkans, in that we learned it in the Civil War. We learned it in World War One. We've learned it the whole way. Well, we've learned we've learned we've we seem to learn and then forget this lesson. Okay, on a repeated basis. And and one of the things that that we seem to learn and then forget, we get taught it by a bunch of other people on a regular basis. Uh, in the Balkans. They these the, the the guys that were at war they didn't really like the idea of being targeted by our very precise very accurate and it yes. works works pretty good explosive things okay that go boom and come out of the air all of a sudden you're dead they figured out that they could take an old microwave oven put a stick in the door switch so it thought it was closed turn it on on the end of a long extension cord out in the middle of a you know a street there's nobody there. And one of our million-dollar anti-radiation missiles would say, "Hey, that looks like a radar." <laughs> oh, right. well, yeah. And, I, and turn it around, blow it up. Well, like, I just well, 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 but the thing of it is, when you we got a uh, well, we got we got a few minutes left. But the the weird part is, I don't I don't know that. Uh, by the way, I'm not so sure we got Joel today, so we might have more than a few minutes. Um, the uh, before you start targeting all this stuff. This this whole mechanism of how all this stuff is making it from place to place, I I'm I would really like to find out from somebody who knows. And I'm sure we probably have people that do know, or maybe we don't. How the hell the original people who invaded Israel, uh, how the hell those guys got a whole a boatload of the rockets from North Korea? What did how did they pay for them, or did they? Was there a a ship that goes somewhere from Iran somewhere loaded with oil and comes back loaded with all these these goodies or to me the the logistics finding out how it all got there and happened me would tell me a real lot of what's going on in the world who's actually pulling all this stuff I mean, well that's well yeah i mean that's part of the problem is that we have yeah everybody likes to think oh you know it's just those those you know those crazy guys with you know hammering a bunch of pipes under you know you know an underground tunnel filling it up full of gunpowder and you know that's that's uh no ladies and gentlemen that's not what's going on uh their illicit arms trade is is as old as nations well, i'd really I mean, like to see if any of it came back here because I don't know what kind of morale, morality some of these multinational corporations have. Well, I got I uh, one of the the serious concerns that we should have is uh, you know I, I I don't know if you saw this in the news the other day, but but Obrador is now screaming about the fact that the, some of the cartels in Mexico have been caught with American weapons. Okay, um, and I'm not talking about garden variety gun store firearms either all right that you know that you can buy in any any gun store in america we're talking about military stuff that you can't buy as an ordinary american allegedly 
Well, this is what they say they found. All right. Yeah. Now, the, the thing about the thing about military weapons is they all got serial numbers. All right, because uh, you know, I mean, it, when when the guys that actually build them and are supposed to be using them uh, have to keep track of them because they need to be serviced and you know this and that. I mean, there's there's maintenance has to be done of this stuff, and all of it is tracked down to the individual component level, and and they all have serial numbers. So if you catch somebody with one of these things. Uh, you can pretty well, you know where it came from. It's not, it's, it's, it's not rocket science as to who made it and who who did it, who had it originally. Now the question is, how did this guy get it? All right. Wasn't, and, that, wasn't that the big issue with Durant Cantra? Well, yeah, it, it, but it's been it's been a big issue for a long time, and uh, you know the, the 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 real question you have to ask yourself here is. If Iran is, you know, Iran, remember a few years ago, there was this big brouhaha because they, they grabbed one of our drones. Yeah. And and I had some friends of mine that were, you know, were all, you know, blah, 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 about, you know, oh, you know, that, that didn't really happen. This and that. Uh, yes, yes, it did really happen. Um, just FYI, yes, it did really happen. And um, it appears that what Iran's guys figured out how to do is not just jam GPS, which is not very hard, but it actually spoofed it. And the the drone thought it was over its landing site and landed. Really? And, it, and, and, and it wasn't, obviously. It was theirs. Okay, so they got their hands on it. Well, if you manage to capture something like that, not just not blow it up, but actually steal it. You get a tremendous amount of useful information. Well, that's why in every one of your movies, the uh, was it like the uh, not movies, even stuff like uh, Twelve O'clock High. The well, first thing they did was is blow up the bomb the bomb site, right? Because they don't want the Germans to get it. Well, yeah, I mean that was the, you know my I had an uncle that was a bombardier before the before it was called the Air Force. It was Army Air Corps or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can look up his service records online because everybody's from the war are there. Uh, really, I can't, find, I can't find my families. Really, you that's interesting. You have to show me how to do it. Yeah, I, I have no problem finding uh, Tracy Denninger is comes up and, and he, yeah, he was he was about because there there was a there was a huge fire in Illinois on the Illinois record somewhere down in St. Louis where a lot of stuff in the Midwest is missing. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Okay. So my well, my, uh, my dad was in there. You can find his stuff. Can't find my uncle, other than the fact that he didn't come back. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, it, but you know, I mean, he. That was that was part of the thing was that you know if the, the, he he survived. You know, if the if the plane gets shot down, the most important thing in, <laughs> the most important thing is God forbid they can't get their hands on that bomb site. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, let's go to a quick break, uh, Carl. We don't know if uh, Joel's coming back. So why don't you hang for a few minutes? We also don't know if we're if we're streaming here because I haven't got anything Uh-oh. back here from. Uh, but but most people listen afterward anyway, so we'll we'll continue to do it. But we're going to try and contact the support people in a minute here. But we'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, no, hello, we're back. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Uh, Greg Pappas on the board. I don't know if we're streaming right yet. We're working on that, but we'll, obviously it'll be on, on, a, on the uh, site in a bit. Uh, why don't you do traffic weather sports while I mess with the rest of this? Because I just open up a ticket. Can we hear me? Yeah. yeah. All right. Morning, everyone. 636. We've got 36 here in Chicago. It is cloudy and drizzling all day. Phoenix 51. And also we have um, mostly clear right now, but possible weather coming in um, right around 3. Inbound, Kennedy from Montrose. It's ten minutes. Can I hold you through that? If I'm driving at three, I turn the air conditioner, turn the windshield wipers on. Yeah, yeah, I've got it right. In, uh, inbound. Yeah. You got, you got it online. Well, it must be true. Yep, Montrose from Montrose is twelve minutes. Um, Lake Cook to interchange is twenty-seven minutes. Wolf to the interchange twenty-eight minutes. Inbound, Ryan from ninety-fifth to. Um, the interchange is 20 minutes, and Stevenson 294 of the Ryan is 36 minutes. Um, college basketball: Purdue beat Rutgers. That was 68 to 60. Um, Suns beat the Heat. That was 118 to 105. And I don't have anything else for you. All right then. Not much going on on a, on a Monday night. Not really. No, even in college basketball, Tuesday is kind of the big night where they all start up again. I mean, Tuesday, UConn, UConn really took care of business, but that that was uh, not very interesting in the no. Big East. No, Big East. Uh, the Balls the Balls the worst team, right? Uh, they're they're struggling, and they fired their coach. That so always helps. They got, you yeah. know, 
But UConn, number one seed, UConn beat Xavier by 40. So that was 99.56. Well, we got the Dow Futures down 56. We have uh, earnings. Uh, we've got uh, UPS down almost 11 bucks at 7%. UPS cannot get out of its own way. We have clients that uh, um, brought stock in, and thank God we're protecting it to a large extent. But, I mean, two years ago, it was 208. Now it's one it's 147. Uh, so that's not so hot. But General Motors... Is up 246 as they beat they beat on their profits. It's 37.85 stock trade and it's up seven percent. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 31.2 percent, FTSE up 45.6 percent, CAC around up 35.5 percent. Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 38.1 percent, Hang Seng down 373. Whack whack again 15,703. Shanghai down 52. That's almost two percent. 2830. They're in danger of going below 2800. Uh, yesterday. Another strong day. Dow up 224, S&P up 36, Nasdaq up 172. Same stocks, up, up, up. Every day, Microsoft, Nvidia, Meta, same players every day. It's, it's getting really something. Some of these uh, P ratios are just getting, let's say, historically high. I won't say out of control. I'll just say historically high. U.S. Uh, 10-year down two basis points, 4.07. Bund down up one basis point, 2.25. Japan down one basis point, 0.71. Oil uh, down. 35 cents, 76.43. Brent down 43 cents, 81.97. Natural gas up 2 cents, 207. Arbob down 3 cents, 219. We've got gold up 910, 2034. Again, trying to make it back to 2050. Remember, thing rallies, though, somebody whacks it. Silver unchanged, 23.25. Copper unchanged, 387. We have Bitcoin up 377, 43,042. And the U.S. dollar is virtually unchanged. It's down slightly against the euro. Up a little bit against the pound, but pound, but not much there. We still have Carl. We, I, I did. I heard him. Some part of him. Well, you know, yeah, I'm here. What? Uh, we, we have uh, yesterday. The market jumped, or the spoos jumped, like 15 points in a second. Regarding uh, this, the Treasury said they were going out for like the 50 billion less than they thought they were going to go out for in these, in these uh, financings or auctions and. You know the, the numbers are so high. I guess fifty billion less means something. Might indicate that something's a little better than somebody thought somewhere. But I uh, still seems. Can, can we? How how long can you hear about the layoffs, the inflation coming back, the market going up every day? How how long can that disparity continue? Another five years, ten years, two weeks, well, two days? Well, you know, that's a fairly clean, that's a clean question, and the answer is we'll, we'll find out when it breaks, just like the last time, right? I mean, remember, subprime was contained. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, it was just these two little hedge funds that Bear Stearns were running that were, they, they did some really stupid stuff, and it blew up in their face, and they lost all their money, but, but that, was, that was just two little hedge funds. One of our one of our biggest clients was involved in one of those. It was like a year or nine months before any of the bad stuff happened. Yeah, it was. And, it was in the summer. Yeah, and it really wasn't all that obvious that it was was all that horrible. I mean, well, it, 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 it was all that. It was. It was. You know, the canary in a coal mine. Let's put it that way. Well, now wait a minute. It goes a little. Further. All right. So, I started writing the market ticker as a result of the things I saw in the spring of two thousand and seven before it all started to blow up, before the hedge funds, okay? And it was the first quarter's earnings reports that set me off. There was, a, there was one overnight, 
Uh, I was very actively trading at the time. I'm much less active in the market now. There actually was a market then, uh, you know, that was a little bit more honest and, uh, you know, not so much paint-the-tape kind of stuff as we have today. Uh, but I was ex extremely active. I had my face buried in a monitor all day long, and I'd CNBC on and, you know, I mean, all the usual stuff, right? Okay, fine. I mean, everything short of Bloomberg Terminal. I didn't I wasn't spending that kind of money. Two grand a month back then, a lot of money. Oh uh, well, uh, two grand a month is two grand a month. Yeah. I mean, it's got to it's got to have a return on investment that's worth it, right? Uh, and and for me, it wasn't. So, but uh, I woke up one morning and turned on the screen. And I did. I had a a flashback of March of two thousand on my mind because the Chinese market had blown up. Okay, overnight while I've been sleeping and uh, I'm like that's awfully odd what would you know what caused that because I certainly didn't see it coming and so I started digging around I started paying really really close attention to the first quarter earnings reports and uh, found Washington Mutual among others paying dividends out of capitalized interest which is not money right uh, and wrote up a handful of articles and said this this is fraud it's going to explode in everybody's face by the way these guys should have been shut down by the fdic the morning after their earnings report uh and raised a huge stink about it uh it, at the time the blog was on blogger which is a google property and then i moved it um because there was a lot of pressure coming my direction to shut up not the first time i've been told to shut up right in my life. Well, it happens yeah, well, and so I, I put it on my own platform, and actually, at the time, it wasn't nearly as easy with, the, with you know, with what you can do now. Uh, I, I actually rented space in a rack and stuck a server in a colo area for it uh, to run it for a while and uh, said, this is, this is going to blow up. And then, and then, you know, here it comes. We get, these two, we get these two little hedge funds, and, of course, everybody's la, 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 fingers in the ear thing. Um, and, and I said, no, these guys blew up because they, they basically, they ran out of, of money and, and suckers. Uh, they got exposed as the sucker, and their clients got destroyed. Okay, fine. Except, uh, who thinks these were the only, you know, the only guys with clown hats on, right? I mean, does anybody really believe that it was just two little hedge funds? Nobody in their right mind believes that when everyone's putting, you know, following this trade and that trade and everyone's putting the same stuff on it. Oh, by the way, the market is, is screaming higher the but entire time. Carl, the numbers, numbers are so large, <clears throat> they were hard to believe. I remember reading a yeah, uh, a, a thing from a thing. This guy sounded like he was an, uh, <clears throat> an Indian guy, you know, from India. Um, and he's from Hong Kong. And he wrote this article that I don't know how the hell I got it. One of the listeners maybe sent it to me. And it was, uh, he, had, he predicted... 35 hours worth of debt on every dollar of mortgage <clears throat> of, of a real mortgage. But that's how much the thing walked up the chain and how many people were involved in these uh, these these swaps and everything. And um, I'm sitting there going, I can't even imagine, even with my alleged numbers background, I'm sitting there going, how could that even be true? And sure enough, what's the uh, one of the oldest firms in uh, in Britain? Is it Barclays? Barclays had a had a place that was that had their name, but it wasn't affiliated with. It's the bank, right? Barclays Bank, and they do. God knows yeah. what they do. But it, it was like it was something else. It was a Barclays Barclays and uh, mortgage something something. They were one of the first to blow up. I don't know if you remember that. And yeah, 
And oh the, yeah. And the weird part of it was, I think they were, they blew up for thirty like thirty four times more than the notional value of their mortgages. And I'm thinking, this guy's actually right. <laughs> how he how he had the number so so well well struck. I have no idea. And then get a little of this. I go I go to a we have a, a potential client became a client, and I made a house call. Right, he lived way the hell in the north suburbs, so I made him and his. Uh, Lovely bride. It, it uh, was a, uh, I don't know, one of those places where they got all the different roles and stuff. Uh, anyway, we, so we, we go in there and we're talking to the guy, and and, and the and the the wife is, uh, um, let's just say, uncommonly good looking, right? Which doesn't mean anything. I mean, the guy, this guy's wife, and uh, we started talking, and she's telling me she just got laid off, and I'm thinking, who the hell would lay her off? <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless she's a total ninny. I mean, who, who would God's name would lay her off? It turns out she'd worked for this mortgage firm up in the northwest suburbs, and they were put packaging mortgages, you know, charging people as, as much they could steal, right? And somebody was coming in and buying the mortgages for 106% of value. I said, well, let, me, let me get this straight. Oh, good God. I, I, let me get this straight. You, you're, you, you are uh, putting together, you know, two, three million dollars of mortgages, say three. You get... All your fees, she goes, yeah. And somebody comes in and pays you, you know, three million one hundred eighty thousand. Well, yeah. And I'm thinking, and she goes, yeah. Then all of a sudden, kind of hit a wall, and people stopped doing that, and we went out of business. And here I am. <laughs> I figured it would take something that tragic to can her, because she was also very bright, in addition to being very attractive. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, how how could that even be possible? So it just it just worked its way up the chain where everybody was involved in this, and finally the last guy from overseas who bought it probably paid, God knows what, hundred and ten percent for what was a six and a half percent mortgage. It wasn't like as a nine or a ten. It was like six and a half, weren't they? Well, maybe seven. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't like when I got mine in Beverly at twelve and a half in nineteen eighty one or whatever the hell it was or eighty six. Well, they weren't there. They weren't twelve percent. It was money coming yeah, out of Japan I, at two percent, buying stuff for six percent. Even you and I, if we if we could scrounge up a million bucks, and we could borrow another thirty million at two percent and buy stuff, buy thirty one million of stuff at six. Even you and I can make a buck doing that. Yeah, it was just I mean the the, the insanity of what was going on. But but you know what? Today, are we are we really doing anything different today? I don't think we have anywhere near. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'll say that uh, we have to go here to Kenny in a second, but I'm going to say the, because Kenny will probably want to hear this too, but the actual housing prices versus median income, in in my estimation, is way worse than it was in 2007. It is, but we have and, and, uh, we have a much oh, bigger but, but we have a much bigger wealth issue. I mean, Audrey has had a real nice business the last year or year and a half, in just. People selling houses, getting a real lot, a lot of dough from their house, and trading up a little bit or down a little bit. So there's that whole yeah. the trade gone in that mess. But Kyle, we got a dash because Kenny's on. Thank All you right. very much. Talk at you Friday. You Kenny, got- Kenny, you with us? Kenny's not with us. Well, I thought he was. Well, Kyle, you still uh, here? Yeah, I'm what? here. I'm here. I'm here. Well, here, okay, bud. You're here. I had. A, How are I you, bud? I was talking. I didn't realize I was muted. Uh, well, we've been. We were. Uh, we're scrambling here because we're we're trying to get the service on and we're rebooting computers and doing all kinds of stuff. So we're we're, we're like a one arm paper hanger here. Does anybody know what that means anymore? But uh, <laughs> no, not a lot of people don't. Um, you ever you ever see a, a real 
paper hanger? Actually no, hang wallpaper? With a, 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 a wallpaper hanger? Yeah. yeah. Of course. We did when we were kids. I mean, didn't you hang wallpaper when you were kids? Well, I mean, the guys that really knew how to do it. Yeah. You know what they the were doing? Really how to do it. There was a real art to that, especially if the wallpaper had like a uh, an intricate pattern. Oh, yeah. They do it really well. We're really artists. Well, you, you know what they reminded me of? Or, did you ever see a guy at a really good tire place change your tire, <laughs> put a new tire on a wheel? Yeah. They all do it the exact same way. The right hand's doing something, the left hand's doing something, and they do right. it as fast as you could possibly do it. You and I could do it, but it would take yeah. three times the time unless we knew exactly what to do. Both hands are constantly moving. One's folding, one's using the brush, putting stuff on there. Anyway, right. we don't we don't have to do that. We'd, we'd, we'd be able to paper the house, Kenny, but it would be our month project. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what, do you, what do you make of what, what actually happened yesterday with the slightly oh. less... Uh, um, so it's amazing to me when you talk about Janet Yellen's announcement, where now now the Treasury only needs seven hundred sixty billion versus the nine hundred sixty that we were told they need. I think there's two things going on there. I think there's actually three things going on there. Number one, I think that last week's five year Treasury auction, which was met with some trepid uh, a trepidation, right? The, the, the buyers weren't willing to step up and and pay the price, so they had to sell them for cheaper, causing yields to go higher, and that I think caused some concern about what the next three or four months is going to mean for the Treasury refunding. Number two, we get the FOMC meeting tomorrow, right? JJ's expected to where he's going to say, okay, we've probably hit our peaks. Rates are most, more than likely no longer going up, although I, I don't think he's going to close that door. I think he's going to make it clear, though, that the rates are not going up. But I don't think he's going to actually commit to any specific cut date. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to let everyone, he's going to tease everyone, say that the, the next move is likely lower, but I don't think the committee, at least, is going to come up with a specific date. Now, whether J.J. comes out in the press conference and gets pushed into a corner like he did in November and suggests something well, that, that will then cause the narrative to become, uh, you know, to, to become out of control the way it did in, in, uh, at the end of last year when suddenly they were talking six and seven rate cuts, which to me is completely illogical. Um, and then I think the third thing is that, quite honestly, I think she's trying to uh, support by by announcing that she's trying to support JJ's decision which will then ultimately uh you know whether or not you want to whether or not you want to take it that way will ultimately support the current administration and i think they have to be very careful because the fed is not supposed to be political clearly they're not supposed to make any any moves in monetary policy 6 months prior to end election in our lifetime the fed chairman has been the most political man in washington agreed agreed but they're not supposed to be right uh, and this is already an anxious election. You can already see it. It's a very anxious election. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me, uh, and I know do I think it would surprise anybody, uh, if you saw the rules change this time around. And, and, and one of the rules that shouldn't change is that the Fed should not change policy six months prior to any election, especially a presidential election. And I, and, and I think that's where, uh, I think that's where uh, we're going to see uh, some angst in the market, right? Because will they or won't they? I mean, look, the, the futures market is betting that there's going to be a rate cut starting in May at every meeting after that, which means they're going to do it right through the summer and right through the election. Well, that's baloney. You and I both know that. I mean, and, and, and it's illogical because the market data is not calling for that many rate cuts. At five and a quarter percent right now, okay, so maybe they cut it by 25 base points. So now we're down at 5%. 5% is really normal. It's no, That's a normal rate. Right, taking rates back down to four percent is not normal when the economy is as robust as it supposedly is, and unemployment is at historic lows. There's no reason to take rates down to four percent or four and even four and a half percent. 
five percent would be considered normal. Well, Even I, five and a quarter would be considered normal. We, well, you know, boys, it's been. <laughs> I'm going to say define normal. God, it's an awful thing to say. Right. Uh, but but I'm going to. What 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 would you say is normal? I, I, I actually would say that your normal is probably a three and a half percent short term rate and a six percent ten year rate, or somewhere five and a half or ten. It, with the curve okay. like it's supposed to be. So we're actually below that rate that if you say that's normal, we're not even at normal yet. Well, I'm saying I, I, I talked yesterday, and please critique me because I was hoping to make sure you were on today. I think that by the end of the year, it, it wouldn't surprise me or the next two years that yeah. that the short-term rates are 4.5 and, and the 10-year and yeah. rate is, is 6 because I don't see this inflation going anywhere below 3, 3.5. Three and if you give anybody anything for their own money, you're talking six. Right, right. And I think that's exactly the fear, right, is that that is what's going to happen with rates, that rates are not going to go lower. They can't, because I agree with you. How can they go lower? Well, I think the short-term rates can go, go lower. lower only, yeah, short-term rates might, but the long-term yeah. rate won't. And then if the, and, and then if it, and if, and if it does, all that's going to do is stimulate an already robust economy, which is right. not really what you want to go, because... There you go. Then it's going to ignite that inflation monster all over again. All right. Let me ask, let me ask you this. You're saying the south side. Ask you this. Uh, my brother and I, of course, are having our usual thing as brothers do. Um, yeah. The, uh, the the money supply, okay, from April of 23 got down to – now, this, this jumped from February of 2020 to a tippy top of, uh, I'm going to say, in June of 22 of 20 – essentially went up 40% in uh, two two years, four months. Right? Yeah. And then the Fed said, okay, we're going we're gonna to stop this, and we're going to start coming down. And, and we started coming down, and we made it down to April 2023 of 2705, so down you know, like a trillion dollars. Then with yeah. the, the long, not the long-term capital, the Silicon Bank, of course, they immediately pumped that right back up again to save those guys or to do something. So now if you look at it, the policy is is I believe, well I don't know. I'm asking you, what is the policy? From July of 2023, we went down from 28.63 down to 27.25. Now the last two months, we are galloping to the upside in this year, an election year. Now, well, in the election, 12 months. Uh, now my question is, no. what is the policy? Is the policy that we're going down in these last two months or just an oopsie? Or are we going right back up again and all this inflation fight stuff is a bunch of crap? I, I think the inflation fight stuff is a bunch of crap because I don't think it, I'm, I'm in your camp that I don't think inflation is going away. I actually think what they're going to do is they're going to change the they're going to change the target. It's going to go from 2% to 3% because they're not going to be able to get it down to 2%. And I don't care. You know, yesterday, Chucky Evans came out, former Chicago Fed president, and said, well, if you use the three-month average, we're already at 1.5%. Well, why would if you use the November average would be at negative one point two? So you can't you can't go changing the rules, right? Whoa, they've been but changing I, the rules since as long as you and I have known each other. Uh, well, okay, I understand, but I'm trying. <laughs> yes, you're right; they have been, which is frustrating. But um, uh, so therefore, I'm in the camp that I I think inflation is going to remain sticky right here. Uh, look, they've done a good job bringing it down from nine point four, but it should never have gone to nine point four in the first place. They were responsible for sending it there, and now they want to take credit for, oh, look what a great job we did. Well, you screwed it up on the way up, and now, you know, you're stuck here on the way down. And I think that's what investors have to get used to. And I also think not, not so much investors. 
But um, I think the asset managers and the portfolio managers, all people that are now in the generation that never experienced anything other than zero rates, they have to really come to the come to uh, come to the meeting where the you know this is really normal and zero rates were not normal and this is normal and I have to learn how to manage money in these rates. That's where I think you're going to see the issue. Well, I, that's true. I talked to actually a couple of clients yesterday that were very concerned about this year, and these these are these guys have big dough. I so, said, you know, if if you're that concerned, let's let's protect half of it and put the other half in in five percent T bills for three months. What's the difference? Why, why can't we wait six months at five and a half percent? Right. Exactly you know, right. Exactly if, if right. That, if you're that concerned, I, well, I, big question. I just asked um, Carl the same question, and it's it to me. I've, I've never even even my I try and read back on history, but you know it's hard to do that. There's so much history, um, yeah. but I, I've never seen a situation where there is there is absolutely talk about the battle lines being drawn between us and Iran. There's there's a battle line being drawn in in this country's economic policy, in my opinion. And every week I feel stronger and stronger about it, Kenny. And I don't know who's going to win, and I, but I think the the, the clash is going to be not something we want to see. There's a massive clash between people that are earning money yeah. and, and, and trying to make ends meet through income in this massive wealth bubble that's passing from generation. We're, we're now, I think, way more concerned about the wealth bubble than we are about the income part. And if, if the Fed right now, if they have to choose between going back, I think the inflation is still at 5%, but going back to where they, even they can't lie about it, Five, six, seven percent, which people making three percent more every year. So basically, going deeper and deeper into the sinkhole every year, yeah. which, and dropping this wealth bubble in these houses, buildings, and, and stock market, they will choose B. And I, I think that's a really bad decision. And it, that's what they did in 1929, and look what happened. And I'm not, yeah. you know, I, I think that's a really bad decision that you can't favor one one part of your economy that. To that extent, yet I think those are the people who control the place. I don't think it's I don't think it's this president. I don't think it's Trump. I don't know who it is, but it's the guys who've got this wealth bubble, whoever they are. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I don't. I think regular people. And I, and I count. You know, you and I are regular people. I mean, we're not. I don't. I don't think. You know, Daddy left you fifty million dollars. All you got to do is you know sit on your no. ass all day. You know, so <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not that group. But that group is happier than a clam with the last. Eight years. It was, it, it thinks COVID's the best thing that ever happened as long as they didn't die from it. A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand. And 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 they should be happy because look what's happened to their wealth over the yeah. last eight years, right? And so I, of course they're. But I, I don't want to take down anybody's wealth, but I also know we can't keep doing no. this either. Agree. You, you can't keep telling Agreed. people there's no inflation when when, when they have eyes. <laughs> well, and that was my point yesterday. They're talking about inflation coming down, and I'm I'm looking around going. Okay, where is it coming down? Because when I go to the grocery store, I don't see it there. When I pay my insurance bill, I certainly don't see it there. When I pay my utility bill, my rates keep going up, so I'm not seeing it there. So where are we seeing the decline in prices? Okay, we're seeing it in used cars. We're seeing it in uh, I'm looking we're for used. I'm looking for a used truck. The last two months are going right back up again. Right. Okay, so where are we really seeing it? We're not. That's the point. And that's why it's so frustrating when they keep saying, oh, no, price is coming down. This is, you know. Corinne Jean-Pierre, you know, says, oh, look at how strong the economy is, and Biden has done such a great job. Where am I seeing that? Because when I go to the grocery store, which is the most important place people go to every day, well, it, no one is seeing it in the grocery I'm, store. We've got we a dash here in a second, but I, I'm going to, you and I, we love, I love to joust. 
that's what, and, and you, by the way, you're one of the good ones. Uh, that's what the, the talking heads on TV are all about. They go to the, right. you know, they'll say milk is down, eggs down, chickens down. They're right, okay. And for right. and for the last year or so, gasoline has been down. Okay, they're right. But I'm going to say this is the stealth inflation. What did Dan Janitas last week? He went and had a, a root canal. He goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> how how much did the root canal go up in three years? Forget. I mean, right. I I think people, if you if you try and get an air conditioner in your house or a heater or a roof. Or, or, or get a transmission for your car. I, I think pe- people, are, fortunately, that hasn't happened to them yet. Right. You know, but if it does, or, or you know, since when did people pay fifty grand for a kitchen? For God's sake! I used to, I used to remodel houses. I, I could do it for like, I mean, five grand was a lot. <laughs> you can't do a kitchen today, and in, a, in an apartment, you can't do a kitchen today for less than fifty grand. By the time you do the cabinets and the yeah. <laughs> And the countertops and the appliances you can, and that's in an apartment. That's I'm, in an apartment. Yeah, I'm saying what, what's what, with the, the the stuff that's out there. Just because you haven't had to hit it yet, God help right. you if you have to go to an emergency room. Right. I went to the I went to the emergency room over the summer because I was up at Cape Cod and I got COVID and I was just having a really de- this one particular Ugh. time I was just having a, a tough time. So I said, you know what, I better go to the emergency room. I went to the emergency room. And I was there for maybe an hour. Do you know that the bill that came in was a sixty five hundred dollar bill? I was there for an hour. $6,500 for an hour's visit to the, to the what, emergency room. What, what, and I was, what, I mean, what, what did they, they itemize? Is the stuff it a gold bar in your pocket or what? It was the blood test. It was the time. It was it was just unbelievable what they itemized. And, and you know, so insurance pays, you know, insurance paid $5,200 or something. I have an $8,000 balance on the thing. Okay, but it's crazy to me. It's absolutely nuts to me that that's that that that, uh, uh, that, that, that there I was for less than an hour. If you if you did a variable cost analysis on that, you probably cost them two hundred bucks. Yeah, probably, probably yeah. that's right. But they're charging the insurance company. You know, they're charging six grand. The insurance company pays them five grand. So my insurance premiums have to go up because who's really paying for the insurance? You and me. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Where are they getting the money? To pay the ridiculous rates. I'm not gonna you. ruin your ruin your terrific January. We got a dash here, but last last great thought I'm gonna give you is, look at the, the amount of excess deaths this year over, what was what was planned. And now we we should have, God, it sounds awful. We should have cleaned up a lot more old people, dispensed with, so old people died through whatever you want to. How you can even yeah. say this stupid thing. Uh, two three years ago, so they should have been ahead of the curve, right? Because yeah. they're already gone. If, if all the people died from COVID, like they said, and yeah. so this year, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with people are now putting off treatment because they can't afford it. Right, and I think you're. I think I. I think you're right. And uh, this right? is this is not good. I mean, this is not where we're supposed to be going as a society. No, not at all. Anyway, buddy, take care of yourself. Um, uh, you. Um, I'll watch you again on TV. You, you look good. You got the gestures <laughs> going. I like that. SB Futures Thanks. down nine. Nasdaq is down thirty-one. Real short break, uh, Professor Helsnar. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. 
That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Well, North Face Tyson Jacks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board, working furiously trying to get our streaming thing back up. I'm, I'm Not going to happen today. Um, okay, then. Sorry. All right. Well, we'll, we'll everybody's have to l- listen on, on uh, tape, and then we'll be ready to go tomorrow. I assume the producer will have it fixed by tomorrow. Uh, SP Futures down 9, NASDAQ's down 31. Again, General Motors uh, with good earnings are up 270 at 7.6%. EPS, which just continues to grind down, down 7%, 147. That's the lowest that's been in. We click the graph up here, or the chart. Don't call it a graph. Um, I'm going to say this is about as low as it's been back to uh, 927.20. That's all. That's a ways. Uh, stock has been as high as 230. Uh, so this is this is a uh, not good. I mean, their, their business I think is getting chipped away at by Amazon and a few people, but still, uh, you would think that they uh, would be hanging in there, but they are not. Do we have the professor? Good morning, Tom. How are you? Uh, doing all right. I was up till two in the morning. <laughs> um, watch, watch. So I'm a little, I'm a little loopy. Uh, uh, I was working. You were, you, you were betting had, on, you were betting on West Coast basketball. <laughs> I had a attendance report to give yesterday, and uh, I uh, sent out an email to students. You know, that's a distance learning class. So I sent out an email to students and told them, well, I haven't seen a, 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 you know an assignment yet, and today's this reports do and um and every semester i have like four or five students that don't submit any work whatsoever right i just give them an f at the end of the year 
So I've mentioned that if they well, you, you can't do that in Chicago, those, you can't do that in Chicago. You got to pass them. Well, yeah, but you know they they, they never they ne- I don't ever talk to them. They don't submit assignments. So I mean, it happens in every class I teach. There'll be like three or four people who probably you know doing it just to sign up for the you know the financial aid. They get their laptop and they're gone for the semester. So I have these students that do that, and I send an email to everybody saying, hey. If, if you uh, aren't planning on submitting any assignments, you know maybe you can uh, uh, allow the person on a wait list, on the wait list, because there's people on a wait list for this class, maybe allow them to uh, take your spot, right? Wait a minute, show, if, some, and, show some kindness or decency, are you, are you kidding? <laughs> and that, that email didn't go over very well, so I was playing, uh, I was playing uh, catch up all day. And, uh, but yeah, I had to re- resubmit my attendance reports like three or four times, because with that email, I got the attention of students that hadn't submitted any assignments yet. And during the day, I get the notifications that this person submitted something, this person submitted something. And so I ended up doing that report like four times, and I got none of the work I wanted to get done that day done. So I ended up spending uh, post-kids going to sleep hours on my uh, class preparation until about 1.30. Hey, uh, things at, at the University of Chicago, they used to allow you I think if you hung in there and got the first exam, this is grad school, and it was just way over your head, you could withdraw. I think, yeah. you, had, I think you got half your tuition back or something. Yeah, I think they have like agreements with uh, students like that. I'm not sure what those details are, but well, yeah, you, know, I, I you never do that in under. We can never do that in undergrad. <laughs> no, the, you withdraw, you got an F. No, in undergrad, a lot of places uh, today, I think, uh, especially post COVID, I think the policy is a lot more lenient. And you you can uh, take a withdrawal, so you can take a W on your transcript. Pretty late in the semester, I think it's pretty late in the semester for a lot of schools where you can take you can withdraw without it being reported on your transcript at all. So, but oh, if you wait too late in the semester, you'll get a W. Well, it has to do with uh, when the exams hit. Yeah, if, if the first I mean, well, if there's a midterm, you can't you can't. Take them. You got to look at the midterm and say, eh, I, don't, "I don't think yeah. you can hang in there." And after my, well, whatever is a long time ago. Well, in my classes now, um, I'm, I've moved totally away from exams, and I, I moved into multi-part projects. You know, and inter- interactive, engaging lessons where students in my class you can't just take notes and look out the window. You have to actually be engaged because everybody has. A unique version of what we're going to talk about that day. I had these multi-part models that are pretty cool, and I, I decided to do it after coming to New York and you know having students write stuff down. I was like, yeah, they're looking out the window. I mean, I guess I'd be looking out the window too because you had the nice view of the Hudson River. So I was like, I got to get these kids engaged. So I started using these multi-part models that I used. I originally designed uh, for homework. Uh, I started using them in class. And I vary the solutions to each model, whether it's a data model or an economics model or some business model, I vary it with an algorithm. So every student has different numbers. And in order to get 100% on the attendance participation, they actually have to make calculations. And they have to enter them into these answer boxes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. In order to get 100% on attendance, all you gotta do is slump into the back seat and sit there. Nope, not in my class. If you do that, you're gonna miss out on about uh, 40% of the points. If, you, if all you do, if you just write stuff down, and you look out the window, you're going to lose out on about forty percent of the points. Yeah, you have how, to how, do you, how do you, how do you, look out the window and still be engaged? I, I always. Well, no, you can't. You can't look out the window. I mean, I I couldn't do that. 
I took an MBA class. Uh, I needed an easy class for my PhD program. Um, so I took this MBA class in statistics, and the, the professor was just horrible. But and, it was easy for you because you're a math guy. Yeah. Well, what I did in the class is he made attendance mandatory. And so what I did is I, I ignored everything that he said. <laughs> and I just found the part of the book that he was talking about. And I read it and wrote down notes out of the book, and I just ignored him completely. He was a pompous butthead. And I just completely ignored him, and I just used my time to do homework or study, and I just sat there. I, I always, I mean, I, this was uh, when, when, well, I came from an interesting family. My mother um, was one of these that you're always supposed to do your work. You're always supposed to be on time. You're always supposed to be reliable. Um, oh yeah, you're also, like you're also too, supposed yeah. to you're supposed to have a good time. Yeah, you're you're supposed to learn how to drink. You're never supposed to be hungover. You're never supposed to be drunk. <laughs> so whatever whatever it was, you're, you're that didn't work in the navy. Well, yeah, maybe it did. So I, one th- what I found maybe because of the schools I went to, high school and whatever, I always found if you actually went to class, were engaged. Listen to what dudes were saying. Wrote down the notes of what they you could tell what they meant. Yeah. Read read what they told you to read that night, and then when you went for the exam, when you looked at the notes and everything else, it's the third time you touched it. And usually, unless you're a nincompoop, if you think of something three times, you're pretty good to go for an exam. Now, if you oh, yeah. if I mean, you truncated any one of those, yeah. if you truncated any one of those things, yeah, then you started to screw up. If you didn't go to class. You you could read the the material, but you never could figure out what the guy thought was right, especially in in, in grad school because it, they never we had some books or some classes with a book, but most of it you got this massive envelope with about fifty different uh, papers that people wrote, you know, from uh, economic history yeah. and whatever. I mean, if you didn't know which one the guy, you should have heard the people bitching at, at the University of Chicago that didn't go to class and read all the stuff that they put out. I mean, Half of them weren't even close to being in the class. They were almost like for your entertainment. If if, if you didn't re- go and find out what you were supposed to read and read the other stuff, you might as well you might as well be a fish in the lagoon. <laughs> yeah, when I was in the Navy, I really learned how to study well. I was at nuclear power school in Orlando, Florida, and I just got out of boot camp. How, how did you How did you get from a farm to boot camp to nuclear power school? <laughs> no man. Well, when, when I was in grade school, when I learned how to calculate the surface area of basketballs and cones and cans, I'd go out on my dad's farm and I'd measure the height of a granary. It had a, you know, it had a basically it was a pop can with a with a with a funnel on top, right? With a dome, with a dome on top, yeah. Yeah, I go high, I'd go measure the height of the cone. I climb up on the ladder with my dad's tape measure, measure the height of the cone, measure the height of the the can part. Uh, the cylinder part, and then I tell my dad how many square feet of tin was in his granary. <laughs> so you and my were, dad and mom were like, my mom and dad were like, okay, how that's great. Now go play with your brothers. All right. Yeah. So, so you were like a, a math savant farm kid. Well, yeah. And then they, it, when, in grade school, I remember them giving us these physics tests, right, with levers and pulleys. And I could always imagine those things working in my brain. I could imagine how the lever was pulling this and the pulley and the the cable. I always aced that stuff. I mean, I had no problem visualizing all that stuff. So I think I was born to be a mathematician. And, well, back and, there uh, was a time in this society before me, so you can imagine how long ago it was, when I went to become when I was a janitor at the 
Chicago Board of Education. I was just a sub janitor. It was, it was the world's greatest job for a kid in college. Uh, you know, the world's best job in college is basketball referee working for cash um, from the uh, the ticket sales. That was the best job because I got paid fifty bucks for an hour and a half worth of work. Well, that would have been nice. I mean, I, I would. I was. Uh, you know, well, first of all, the guy who sent me down there, God, my interview was so spectacular. No, um, this this is Chicago, right? So I go down to. Uh, um, they they got to go to 222, I think, North LaSalle, which is the Board of Education building. you got to go see this lady named Ann Cranley. And so my this first, the only time my stepfather really helped me do something like this is he was all against like the politics stuff, but his, his brother-in-law, was a great guy, was the head of the Chicago Engineers Union for schools. And, uh, and he, was, uh, he was, get a little of this, he was, he was the head of the Engineers Union for like, 20 years and finally one year some guy runs against him <clears throat> so like who the hell would run against him the guy you know the guy did a really good job the guy runs against the first thing he does is make it a paid position my uncle never got a dime <laughs> anyway wow so he sends me to this and she goes he goes tell her that you, you went from this guy barney something something from the raw school sent you and by the way you're 21 of course i was like 18 and maybe well maybe wasn't even 18 a big kid. She, she winked at you too, right? Oh, and then, so I got out and here's a, here's this lady fresh out of the South Side, in one of the you know the the 1950s 60s aprons. You know she's wearing to work, and the desk is one of these metal desks. The stuff is piled higher. I could barely see her. She goes, sit over here. <laughs> so I sit down and she goes, "Who sent you?" Now Chicago, the, the motto ought to be, "We don't want nobody, nobody sent." Right? <laughs> so I go, uh, you know. My name's this. I was sent by this guy from the Ross School. And how old are you? 21. Okay. So then she'd fill this out. It's like a one page application. It was go to this school tomorrow, and here's the engineer's number and name, and go, go, go there. That was it. And I, it was the last I heard from her for like the end of the, end of the thing. Until finally I come back from, from uh, Christmas, and she remembers me. Why? I don't know. And I go, you know, I, I need a Christmas thing. I go, oh, here tomorrow. Okay. And I get, I work two days. I get paid Christmas Eve and Christmas Day holiday after working two days, worked three more days, and got New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And in Notre Dame, wow. we actually had a whole half a month of January off. What are you going to do in the middle of winter, you know? So I, I got to work four weeks. Or four, four, yeah, four weeks in the wintertime, which was just was perfect. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. and then the summer came, and but it, you know it was so great, though. We didn't want nobody, nobody sent. If I had sat down and said, well, nobody sent me, she just said, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but but anywho, there actually was a civil service test for janitors, and mm-hmm. they'd they'd stopped giving it. And it was stuff like you're talking about. If I turn the wrench this way, which way does the bolt turn? And if yeah. it's hooked up to another, just simple spatial stuff that any blue collar sort of kid who had a dad um, should know by the time they become a janitor. You know, how do, how yeah. does a lock on a window work? Things that you're supposed to, I mean, people are supposed to know. And I don't think any of that happens anymore, does it? No, I mean, I, I think uh, people would be in trouble if they had to change the tire on their car. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. The, yeah uh, I, I've changed my, I've changed my, it, this is what I learned when I, I sold auto, auto parts and automobile service at Sears Automotive as a service advisor when I was in college. I don't take my car to a service provider if I need a flat fix. What I do is I take the wheel off the tire. I take it and I drop the tire off because I don't want them 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I assume the worst in people. Honestly, I do. Because I've had some situations where a tie wrap oh, yeah. is put around the, the outlet yes. return line of a power steering pump. Really? And it causes, yeah. So I take the tire off and I take it to Pet Boys and I say, hey, can you fix the flat? I'll be back. Uh, I can be back tomorrow and pick it up. I never take my car to a service shop ever. I do all the work myself. If I can't do it, I'll take it, right, like the flat, and I'll have them fix the flat because I can't do that at my house. But yeah, I, I don't trust anybody with my cars. Well, the guys at the the Sam's Club of all places in Everwind Park. My mom, she was still alive. We used to go to the Sam's Club a lot. So if I get a flat, I would take it over there, and they they have a deal where I think if you I don't know if they still do if you bought your tires at Sam's, they fix all the flats for you. Yeah, so, yeah. So I do, yeah, and I, I do that know, too. That was, yeah. that was nice. Thing. I never, I, I never drive my car into the. I never drive it to the shop. Never. Well, I, I, well anyway, I'll they, either fix it or I'll. I, I, take I you know, off. I watched the guy. I knew he took the right tire off. So, I said to the guy, "How much you owe?" He goes, "You don't owe me anything." And I said, "But I didn't buy the tire. <laughs> I didn't buy the tires here." He goes, "I didn't hear you say that." <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Les Schwab, Les Schwab in Utah on South Salt Lake was like that. They were really on a shop. They were. It was like fifty five hundred South Salt Lake or State Street. In Salt Lake City, and man, they, they always took care of me in terms of flat fixes. There was a flat fix that Pet Boys and other shops wouldn't fix. It was kind of on that margin, you know, too close to the sidewall. Every time, every time I've known anybody in the last five years that you got a flat, it's always been too close to the sky, sidewall and needed a yeah. tire. But this one was pretty close to the sidewall. I mean, we're talking about a half inch, and he fixed it no problem. They didn't, didn't charge me at all. So that that shop was really good. All right, there are some really good gems. All right, we've talked. Enough about that. We've got all these issues in the world. We've got wars going on. We've got... Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if you were listening to the last part of Kenny and, and some of... of Hal. Hal, you're Hal. Carl. We were talking about, you know, a, do, do we need all of a sudden to really... In, in the politics of, of this war stuff, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, we obviously have Mike and we've got uh, uh, Lou that, that, you know, that was their whole life was in was in the armed services and they know much so I've learned a bloatload from those guys and uh, about how this all happens and who what command and who does this and any other and you just you kind of wonder when you see you know right now the Republicans are the big more war mongers so it seems like whoever the party's out of office is always telling the other guy basically he's a girly man and he's not bombing enough people yet nobody yeah. really wants to bomb oh, people yeah. you know. I mean, everybody wants to hang everybody, yet nobody wants to be the hangmen. You know, that's it, you know, just the way people are. But I, I wonder if if we go much further into this, which I don't see how we can't with the Middle East. Basically, four. I mean, I'm counting almost four wars over there going on. Uh, what are we? How much are we down money? In other words, if, if George Bush won when he attacked Iraq. The people in his neocon group. Uh, Rumsfeld and those people. Uh, no, they wanted to go and, and, and do something over there. I don't know if they wanted to do well, whatever they wanted to do. Uh, they trumped up this m- weapons of mass destruction, blah, 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 and basically, you know, de, de- solidified the whole area, which we're feeling to this day. Yet, if, if he would have gone out and said, by the way, we're going to do this war thing, and so everybody's got a 20% uh, surtax for the next three years till we get out of there. I don't think he'd have gone anywhere. I mean, virtually all of the uh, governmental problems with with deficits, you can trace back to the Iraq war, I think. I mean, where he essentially put the war on a credit card. So right now, 
how much further are we going to go with this? It looks to me like I don't think we want, you know, half a billion dollar airplanes shooting down $20,000 drones. I mean, we, we need to somehow get some some weaponry that matches the stuff that's coming at us, which means it's almost, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of a, of a biplane, for God's sake, only there's not a guy in it, right? Uh, yeah. And so, I mean... Where were we going to go with this money? And then on the other side, on the domestic side, are we going to constantly keep jabbing the, the the person who's actually working for a living and trying to make expenses w- w- and, and, and in favor of the people that have this wealth bubble? Because the wealth bubble keeps getting bigger, and and people's income versus what their what their expenses are keeps getting worse. I see that as a crash somewhere. I can't name the date. Might be twenty years from now. Could be two days from now. But Somehow, there's an end to that. I think, and I, those are those are two real big questions. I, 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 boy, I wish I knew the answers. Well, in life, we are all either kings or pawns, emperors or fools. That's from uh, one of my favorite movies, The, the Count of Monte Cristo, Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. Napoleon. <laughs> I mean, that's that's truth, man. We either we're emperors and fools, kings or pawns, right? And. Uh, DC, the state, they love they love themselves some war, man. I'll tell you that. And um, we have a hundred year history of it, a hundred plus year history of it. And to me, uh, the this whole thing boils around Iran being flush with cash. They have all kinds of cash. They can sell their their crude oil. They can sell their refined products in markets. You know, what is the price. what is the economy well, like in, in in Iran? And what what is the average? Well, I don't I don't think I don't think the I don't think the mullahs really care what it's like in Iran. But but as I mean, you as, can't. It's I mean, not too as long as it's not too bad. The people in Iran will you know, I mean they they've tried to rise up and and uh, their their protests have been crushed by the state. But what's the what does anybody have a clue? I mean you you uh, probably well can I, life in Iran life in Iran. Pretty, uh, the Mullahs actually was pretty good. I, it was real good. I, I well, look at, relatively. Yeah, look yeah. at the pictures of the 1960s. Women, women look like women in the West. They went to college. They went to university, right? Under the under the uh, Shah, I mean, he was he was pretty brutal. But under the Shah, women were allowed to go to college. It was, and, it was very secular. Very secular. Yeah, it was it, it was it was right. Well, I guess then, right right now, if you had a, if you had a stab at it, what's the unemployment rate? And males eighteen to thirty-five. Is it, is it five or is it fifty? I have no if idea. I, if I were to guess, I would. I would. I would guess it's probably about that of uh, the West Bank. Probably about fifteen percent, maybe twenty percent. And, and the regular job. It's not like Gaza. It's not like Gaza where it's nearly fifty percent. What was, so? What what is? If you have a job in the West Bank, what do you do? I mean, are you a baker? Are you a shoemaker? I mean, what, what are there? Is there any? Is it manufacturing jobs? Is there the civil well, service? I think, I think most people. I was reading about Gaza, and I think a lot of the, the jobs are actually in Israel, and people have to go through checkpoints to okay. get to their jobs in Israel. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of jobs in, like, say, in Gaza because they don't. Gaza, the the Palestinian Authority run by Hamas, doesn't protect property rights, and who's going to set up a, a factory or a hotel in a yeah. place where property rights aren't respected? Do you right? still get? Um, so that, that, did you ever? Or do you still get the? I think it was what the Journal of Political Economy. I used to get that for like two decades. And yeah. every every country in the world, somebody every month wrote 
essentially an economic essay of what was going on there. I, I, maybe I should pile back onto that thing if it still exists. Because I have yeah. no idea what's going on in some of these places. I mean, how, how can you? I mean, yeah. you know, you're worried about the markets here and people's portfolios and all well, we that. Don't, we don't really know what's going on in China either. In China, there's all kinds of protests everywhere, but, uh, you know, our media won't report on it because our media wants, you know, outlets. You know, they want offices in China, so they have to comply with the CCP, and we really don't understand what's going on in China. Like, for example, I didn't know this until I dug around a little bit. Right before the COVID thing hit, hit there was a massive protest in the Wuhan province because the air quality was just incredibly horrible. Just horrible. And there are millions of people in the streets protesting. And then a few months later, here comes COVID, right? Well, I like the and part then, where, they're, they're people, all, where the pollution so bad that they all wear masks that they got the mask down and they're smoking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think smoking... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the, the the key to this war, and it, it all ties back to who really runs uh, policy, energy policy in the United States. And I, I, you know, despite what presidents say, what Trump says, or Obama says, or what Biden says, I don't think what they say matters at all. These big oil companies have lots of power. Oh yeah. And like like you've said on the show before, we're pumping more crude oil than we've ever have. Um, it's not on trend that it was. It wasn't on the trend of, you know, pre-pandemic, but we. We're there. I mean, I. It, it, well, I mean, if you extend yeah. the trend line pre-pandemic, if you extend that trend line, we're way below that trend. Uh, but we are above uh, historical records, right? Well, we got up to so, we got up to thirteen. I think yeah. thirteen million a day under Trump. And this is I'm close on this. Yeah. A pretty good memory, but it's not exact. Yeah, you and are. And then yeah. it dropped way down. Well, I agree. Hunter. But then we dropped way down, and now we're what thirteen three or something. Yeah, yeah. But if if, if the trend. It's not the Trump trend. It's the Obama right. Trump trend, right? And it's not really the Obama Trump trend. It's, it's the price trend. trend. It's the price well, trend. It, yeah, well, it's a it's ExxonMobil's trend, right? And the big, well, but no, you mean if, if the follow the price yeah. of, of oil, give it about a six six to twelve month lead, and you can tell yeah. where the production's going. Yeah, I think I think I think they're the ones really running this policy, and they're the ones pushing the restrictions. That you know that are on the there are, there are restrictions on the industry and those restrictions keep out the small entrepreneurs. Well, the, they, the but the restrictions hold. some of them some of them are, are a load of crap. Would, would I you, know exactly, and they're they're pushed by the big oil companies. Why? Because if it wasn't for those restrictions, oil prices would be a lot lower. And if oil I, prices, see, were I, don't, lower, I don't know. I don't know I mean, that they're. Would it I'm have? Not, I'm not sure there's uh, any ability real, to do what they what they're doing. Oh, well, we got we got to break it. I'm not so sure there's any. Real restriction. Hey, Tom, I lost my mic. You're, I can hear you fine. Right. Well, let's go to break. SP Futures up down nine. SP Futures down thirty-four. I only lost you for a second. We're going to break. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked okay. a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. S&P futures down 10. NASDAQ futures down 37. Um, we've got some stocks making some movement here. Multiple UPS down 10.50 and GM up 2.30. So they're both up or down 6% depending on which one you're looking at. Uh, Caterpillar down 2 and a quarter. Nothing much there. Boeing down a buck 69 back. Boeing's back down to this two, 203 number. I and mean, this is a... Let's take a second on this because it's sort of interesting. Uh, when the, the thing happened with the nine, uh, we were at uh, let's get let's get this uh, one year so I can look at it a little quicker. Uh, we, we got to, we we ducked under. We were up. To, we were at uh, like two thirty, and then we went down to uh, just ducked under two hundred, and went back up to two twelve last week, and now we're back down to two hundred three. So it's heading south a little bit. I think it's long term issues with this Max Nine problem in terms of sales and so forth in the United's. Telling them, hey, you guys, you guys got to get your act together. Anyway, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 19.1%. They're up a little more earlier. Puts you up 42.5%. CAC around up 25.3. So, up in Europe moderately. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 38. Call it, call that 1%, 0.1%. Um, Hang Seng down 373, 2.3%. So back to the downside again here. Uh, Shanghai down 52. That's 1.8%. Uh, this is a, Evergrande got their liquidation order yesterday. We talked about that with John Flanagan. Um, stock evidently started trading again, but does it really matter? It's like 12 cents or something. So, I mean, does it really matter? Wasn't that a song? Uh, yesterday, the Dow up 224, S&P up 36, NASDAQ up 172. So yesterday, a very bullish day. Uh, bonds down two basis points, 4.07. The bond up two basis points, 2.26. Japan down 1.71, not much going on in the interest rate markets today. Had that big move yesterday when the Fed came out and said they were going to actually go out for auction less than people thought. Um, not sure where that's coming from, but it, it caused the market to run up and the bonds to run up. Um, we have oil uh, down 75 cents, 76.03. Brent down 91 cents, 81.49. Natural gas up 2 cents, uh, 207. Arbob down 5 cents, 217. We have gold uh, up 870, 2053, back over 2050. Uh, silver down two cents, 23.23. Copper unchanged, 3.87. We've got Bitcoin uh, only up 80 bucks now. It was up more earlier, 43,185. We've got the U.S. dollar uh, unchanged basically against the euro, and up a little bit against the pound. The pound is down to 126.6. That's a 0.3 percent move. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 7:36 here in Chicago. Uh, 36 degrees right now. Clouding, drizzling all day. 51 in Phoenix, 80 today, uh, some clouds at 3 or 4, but that's about it. Traffic inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 23 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 43 minutes. Ike from Wolf is 48 minutes. The Ryan, 90, 95th to the interchange is 32 minutes. And the Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 31 minutes. NBA Suns beat the Heat. That was uh, 118 to 105. And that's all I got. Thank you, Chief. We, have, we still have the Professor. I'm here. Oh, yeah. The I'm 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 
really sort of concerned on what, what the Fed policy is going to be here. I mean, my, I've mentioned about three or four times my brother and I, of course, have, um, you know, we, we agree on most big things, but on small stuff we'll argue about everything, right? Uh, Sounds like a brother. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, he, and he, he, he could be one of the best. But he, I look at the M2 chart, and I see them uh, with kind of a half-assed move to the downside and then all of a sudden saying, screw this, and now we're heading up the last two months. Um, and he sees the five-year chart with it just as general move down, and he ignores like the last two months is just noise. And I don't. I mean, I, I, of course, I'm one of the guys that every Thursday night used to run down to the, to the machine because we couldn't have TV on the floor, run down to the... Uh, Whatever those, what do they used to call those machines with the the, the, the green and yellow? Those were in your uh, a, a, uh, UPI. Was it UPI? Was it uh, AP? And what was the other one? The, the teletypes? The, no, the, the news feeds was uh, Associated Press. Well, I mean, they, they, they were basically teletypes, right? Yeah, but who was it? Was Associated Press and who was the other one? Dow Jones. Dow Jones was a news feed. Yeah. Well, and there was the UP, Yeah, there was the UPI too. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, we'd we'd stand there, you know, fifty guys looking at the at the money supply. And that was the reason, <clears throat> if you wanted to exercise your OEX calls or puts, you had to do it by 320, because at 330 the money supply came on. They didn't want anybody gaming the system. So I mean, I, in my first five years in the trading floor, every Thursday night, all we did was stare at that thing. And uh, you know, so now I think when I when, these, when you see this kind of a move in, in a couple of months, to me it's policy. You know, to other people, what do you mean? Look at the five year or doing exactly what they say they're going to do, and I'm going. Eh. Why do, you, why do you think after November the market's gone straight up? Because they've, they've poured money in. You know, yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned this last fall. Um, I think the Fed is back in, I think, August or September, maybe October. I think we said on your show Tuesday morning that the Fed's reinflating, right? Yeah. And it is. Um, uh, M2 is kind of leveling off. The de- decline in M2 is kind of leveling off. And now, I mean, it would be nice if we had uh, January data, but we have December data. And, and December data, man, it's headed straight up, and it's headed up at a more rapid pace than it was pre-pandemic. Now, you, are you, I'd say, a believer enough or naive enough, which is a horrible way to ask a question, uh, to think that just because we don't get these numbers weekly, that they stopped producing them and nobody gets them, or you just think we don't get them? Well, I think I think what happens is uh, they want to keep this stuff off the headlines, right? The, the Bureau of Labor Statistics is doing this. Uh, uh, all the government agencies are doing this, right? They they give these give us these blowout, unadjusted numbers, and mainstream media because they like the current administration. Uh, disclosure: I don't like the previous administration. I don't like this administration. Not personally, I don't like their policies, but. The media likes the current administration. So when employment numbers come out like gangbusters or we have a blowout GDP number, probably manipulated by the fact that the deflator was cut in half, the percent increase in the deflator went magically from 3.3% down to 1.5%, which gooses real GDP up to 3.3%, I think right. it was. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, what are we going to do, right? So... We know the Fed's going to reinflate. We were talking about this last fall. And the current trend from Octo- October, November, December 
looks like it's going to be a massive reinflation. And that's why the Fed cannot rate lower interest rates. It's not going to be a lower interest rate. That's why it's having a problem in the repo market. Because interest on reserves is the dam that holds back all the money that the Fed is printing. And if they lower interest rates, man, it's going to come flooding out. So they're going to have to keep interest rates high to keep all those reserves bottled up. If it wasn't for interest on reserves, the inflation story that we've been talking about the last three or four years would have been much, much, much worse. Well, I think it already is much worse, but that's... Yeah. That's, what, uh, what would your opinion, opine, opine if you if you can, uh, we had the five-year auction that uh, Kenny was talking about didn't go as well, and probably one of the reasons why they cut back on this next auction, but is where, if any place, or where is it likely... The problems that are happening in China and the market's going down over there and it's Evergrande now just going to liquidate. God knows what they're going to liquidate, how much they're going to get for it. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think the look is that is that yeah, it's the first of many. Is, 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 is China not showing up for these auctions like maybe they used to causing yeah, a problem? So. I think uh, Russia's probably not showing up. Japan's probably not showing up. Uh, China's not showing up. Well, Japan's now number one in, a, in, yeah. a, in a, a foreign countries. They, yeah. they were second to China. Well, I, think, I think they'd probably be buying more, but um, yeah, I, I honestly don't think. I think it's the BRICS countries that are probably not participating as much. So we have a lot less demand. Plus, in addition to that, the Fed, because it holds so many treasuries itself, when, when the Fed buys a two-year treasury, for example, and a year later it sells it, that that two-year treasury is competing with one-year notes being auctioned by the treasury right oh a two-year treasury sold by the fed one year into its maturity is a one-year treasury on the market and it's in competition with the treasury one-year note auctions and the treasury is competing against the fed they're both trying to sell a bunch of um, securities and the securities are well. The Fed, the Fed doesn't necessarily have to sell yeah. the mortgage stuff. They just run off everything. Everything they. Well, I'm not talking do. about the mortgage securities. I'm talking about the. But even, but even the, yeah. the, the. But even 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 the mortgage-backed securities. If they have a mortgage-backed security that uh, is a ten-year mortgage-backed security, and they bought it nine years ago, and they, they're going to try to sell it, that one year that one year left on that mortgage-backed security, that's a close substitute. Not a close substitute. Maybe a, maybe a modestly close substitute to a one-year note that's being auctioned at the same time right you can buy you can buy the mortgage-backed security from the fed with one year left on maturity or you can buy the one-year note from treasury right and you're going to go with the better deal so the treasury has a lot of competition plus they have a lot of uh people pulling back on those purchases because maybe maybe china and russia have uh realize that you know we're we're manipulating the currency like trump used to say about china we're manipulating the currency right well trump saying that china's manipulating the currency they're only doing it because they're trying to keep their exchange rate on par with the united states they used to peg their their money they got to print out money yeah they they used to peg theirs to the dollar so when when trump accused them of of, i mean i'm not i'm not a fan of china when trump accused them of manipulating their currency all they were doing was keeping pace with us they were, yeah. So we're, if China's been playing their currency, then we are too, man. All right, here I've got I've got the numbers. The uh, right in front, right in front of me, Hal. These are the numbers, as they would say in a game show. Uh, and 
11 of 2022, uh, Japan had a trillion eight. Now they're a trillion one two seven. China had 870 billion. Now they're down to 782. Wow. United Kingdom was 631. Now they're seven. But these are the, as we go down the list here, it's Japan, China, United Kingdom, and Luxembourg. But they're they're less than half United Kingdom. We go from so se- they're they're net sellers, right? They're net sellers of these treasuries. Uh, they, well, they're not. You're not in. That's, that's that's my point. You're not you're not really a seller. When when they roll off, you don't come back and put them back on. Yeah, but what what's happening is um, they bought a bunch of stuff in the past, and they're not replacing those purchases. Well, no, but time. everybody else here, Luxembourg's yeah. up sixty billion. Canada's yeah, but up. How, but what's the base? Sixty billion. Well, they're three or three hundred eleven billion. They're up to three. So they got a lot from one of those okay. banks over there. A lot of that's probably American money, right? In Luxembourg yeah. Bank, but Canada was. 228 last year. Now they're 321. Well, any nation that we have a trade deficit with, we're probably going to have a treasury or an investment surplus, and a lot of that's going to be treasuries, right? Well, here, here, here's your dough right here. Cayman Islands last year was 283. Now it's 319. 45 billion of which is Hal Snar, it says right here. <laughs> so you put yours over in the Caymans, and here it is right back here. Now Belgium's down from 334 to 296. Uh, Saudi Arabia... 121, 128. I thought they, I thought they weren't even listed. Well, well, I think what's going on is, I think demand may be up a little bit. Total like demand, total demand the, is seven yeah. trillion two five five to seven eight oh eight. So it's up. But compared to the supply, the amount of treasuries we need to auction, right, with our current debt loads and our soon to be trillion dollar. I think it's more than a trillion dollar interest payments, right. Well, well, in our in our two trillion dollar deficits, let the, me, uh, the let me supply get is going to be substantial relative to the demand. The demand seems to be growing at a rate that is much less than the supply is growing at. Right, we're, we're going to have to supply a lot of these treasuries. Oh yeah, and so the, without a doubt. And, and when when supply growth is outstripping demand growth, right, you're getting uh, it, it, it can't be good, right? National debt is up to thirty-four that's, trillion. That's going to push down the that's going to push down the bond prices, and keep putting pressure upward pressure on yields. So well, that's I right. think that's the story, right? We we sure. have so much. We have such large needs, and the politicians, the Democrats and Republicans, don't care. They don't care if they if they say something. It's just words, right? It's just well, well Greg got out the. Uh, of course, he couldn't. He couldn't just grab the, the regular <clears throat> stopwatch we have here on the wall, like the red one. You press a button. He's got to yeah. use his. He's got to use his phone, right? I'm not so sure, yeah. if, but you know, he's a phone kind of guy. But I think when he first started doing the show with us, maybe eight months ago, he he, he uh, timed 42 seconds or something on a million dollars, mm-hmm. and I think he did it like a couple of weeks ago, and it's down to like 37 seconds or something. It's actually mm-hmm. dropped. But yeah, I mean, p- pick a number: national debt. Thirty-four trillion. So at at three percent, you're a trillion dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just crazy what we need in terms of treasury auctions. It's going to get worse. So you have all the supply that you know treasury is going to issue. Treasuries really needs a lot of money, right? And so they're going to supply a lot of bonds, and that supply is going to outstrip the demand. And it's it's gonna it's gonna be inflationary. It's gonna push up interest rates. Well, here's where so, if you, if you think that that your government, <clears throat> my government, I guess, 
or all of our governments, for lack of a better term, if you think that, you know, Trump and, and Biden sending you, what was the total, 2500 bucks, something like that, and, and COVID checks? Yeah. If you if you think, or maybe say 3000 it might have been that much. If you think those guys have done you good, uh, d- done you right, as they say, um, today the, the debt per taxpayer is $332,000. Debt per taxpayer. Yeah. That's, that's special. Uh, in 2020, that number was 244 so it's up $90,000. But they sent you four. You must be even, Hal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm four. You must be. That's that's unconscionable. That, that, yeah. That, the debt is that high. And, and uh, I talked to... Uh, oh, the story a couple of times. I used to get invited on uh, Joan Esposito's show, and the weird part is, is every and this show thinks I'm this <clears throat> raving liberal. Well, they of course didn't want me anywhere near the place because I was way too conservative, and it's a very liberal show. So it all depends on point of view, right? Um, yeah. So if you're in the middle, nobody likes you. I remember. Yeah, you, you, you're not you're not uh, selling anybody's uh, snake oil, right? No, I mean I, I remember uh, somebody asking. Uh, I'm not selling anybody's snake oil. One, one day, somebody raised their hand in class, and they asked Milton Friedman, they go, how come you used to be this liberal economist, and now you're Mr. Conservative? And he goes, <laughs> he says, you know, that's a very interesting question. He goes, all I, I can only con- control one guy, and that's me. I guarantee you, I haven't changed at all. <laughs> goes, I don't know how come I went from being liberal to conservative, but you're right. Now I'm conservative, and then I was liberal. <laughs> well, the, the, because you, the views are exactly the same. Milton Friedman, at his... Uh at his acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize in economics, being protested by that one dude and his facial expression, it's just, it's worth a, it's worth a watch. Well, he, say that. he kind of met, he messed himself up when, you know, messed himself up, but he, he lost some favor when he started doing work for uh, the guy in Chile. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Allende, Allende was a real bad guy, uh, killed a whole bunch of people. And what was the movie with... Uh, Jack Lemmon in there. God, if you want to see a horrible movie. I mean, actually a really good movie, but you don't want to watch it. His son um, was down there, and he, they, he all of a sudden he disappeared. So he, oh. has, he and somebody else went down there, and they were looking for the kid, and they ended up, somehow they got into a place where all the bodies were stacked up, and they, they saw the, his, his buddy like <laughs> laying there on the ground naked. Is it called and, Missing? Yeah, Missing. Okay. Oh, God, it was just, just a brutal flick, but Milton Friedman was a very honestly believed, and I suspect that if he was still alive, he would have changed that view. That if you if you get a place that is that you can make them more economically free, that they, that would be one of the steps in the way of them wrenching their political freedom from whatever the knaves were to kept them you know under under their thumb. And he has been the current world has proven him wrong on that. Um, I'll say flat out, he's one of my you know, favorite teachers and stuff, and I you know and I love his teachings, but I'm going to say he's he was found to be flat ass wrong on that. He also thought that uh, national debt didn't make any difference because the country essentially the, the government owned their you know owed the money back to essentially the citizenry, and that changed when 24 to 40 to 50 percent of your Money got being held by people that weren't your citizenry, so I think he was wrong on that one too. But or not maybe not wrong in his day, but as time went by, that 
that feeling was not true because all of a sudden other people if, you know it's one thing if you if you owe your wife money I guess you can argue about it but it's still in the house right if you owe your neighbor money it's a different it's a different story right yeah um, well, so I think I think he was wrong politically but economically Chile went from people living in cardboard boxes to being well they, I mean they weren't free politically but um, I think free uh Better, uh, better economic outcomes and economic growth with uh, zero political freedom beats the free Milton advising world of Chile. Well, right? but I mean, you, you have you don't you don't see. I mean, in his mind, you wanted to put the Chevy pickup truck factory in Mexico at yeah. three bucks an hour because their view of the world was England. France, U.S. Now, I guess I can throw Germany in there and some of the rest of Europe. That over a period of time, these guys are going to realize that their their labor is worth more than three bucks an hour. They're going to end up getting ten or twelve, maybe not as much as people here, but they're going to get a hell of a lot more than three. And oh, by the way, if they're making ten or twelve, they now become huge customers of the U.S. In a decade, in a decade from now, it's like it's like giving people the shaver and then charging them for the blades. We're, we're gonna. Yeah, well, we're, you know, we're gonna make. These yeah. countries, the problem with these countries like Mexico is that um, Mexico's really not governed by the state. It's really governed by these cartels. Well, the, the cartels the, are, what's the difference between the cartels and the government in Venezuela? No difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why a place like Mexico sheds um, sheds people. Right. People want to get away from that. Right. So, well, the, well, the government. The gov- well, right. The government is. Yeah. Well, th- that's. That's the whole, you know. Whenever you have an argument, isn't it, is it amazing how all the different topics we talk about on the show, they're all kind of the same topic, aren't they? Yeah, and you know, economics to me, when I read the the economics journals, I, I I'm just sick by how every model is like a, a Rube Goldberg machine. In economics, in my opinion, I, you know, the this compartmentalization of economics into the little tiny areas of expertise. That, that's just bad economics. I think the best economist of all time, in my opinion, was Murray Rothbard. And Murray, he, he commented on everything. He, he, he was a historian, he was a social scientist, political scientist, he was an economist, he was a mathematician, and he commented on everything. Because economics is really, um, there's somebody's got some goods or some service, and somebody um, demands those goods and services, and it really boils down to um, a demand side and the supply side. It really just boils down to that. And, you know, whether it's money or uh, crude oil um, or eggs, it really just comes down to somebody's got something to sell and somebody, there's somebody out there willing to buy it. If there's nobody out there willing to buy it, then that good would not be uh, offered up. um, Well, it it becomes one of the I, if I, if I can, I'm going to start cleaning my place at home one of these days. I've been doing the office. I have uh, my my notes and the stuff. I can find them. I took a uh, talk about really learning economics. I'm not. I don't know near the math part of it as much as you do, Hal. But the behavioral side is what I focused in on. Yeah. And, and the behavioral side basically is, you know, how do you apportion scare, scarcity and how do people behave? Yeah. How do you incent people? And how do you how do you move goods from one to the other? And and, and, and when I took this, uh, cl- actually it was a two-quarter class in Chicago, 
we sat in this old building with a radiator, maybe 15 people at a big conference table. That was the class. And it was a history of economic thought. And it took all these con- countries through Industrial Revolution, Agricultural Revolution, all the way from, from start to finish, and, and about how things weren't counted before and all of a sudden they were counted. I mean, like, if you look at the, even for instance, I've said this, you know, ten times on the show, you look at the difference between the growth rate in China and the growth rate here, and we say, why can't we grow like they can? Well, we can't, because if, if for instance, if, if you and I are neighbors, even if we hate each other, you know, uh, you, you probably got some nuclear thing going over there, so I'm not going to like you. Uh, we, we, even if we hate each other, you're going to say, hey, bleephole neighbor, looks to me like you, you, you're you much better at the corn than me, but I seem one hell of a lot better with the dairy cows than you. How about you farm the, the cornfields, I'll take care of your cows, and we both do a hell of a lot better. Something along those lines, and if we keep it between us, nobody ever knows about it. All we know is we have, but now, if we really hate each other, and I, I take the corn downtown and sell it where you got to go buy it, and you bring the milk downtown where I got to go buy it. Now it's counted both times, right? Mm. Where in China, most of the stuff on the farms was barter. And as soon as those yeah. people grow out of that and or even move to the city, now all of the stuff starts being counted. It's sort of like if every family 80 years ago used to take care of grandma. Well, that, that's one of the problems yeah. with these government statistics like GDP, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody, how, everybody took care production. of grandma. Now you hire somebody else to take care of grandma because yeah, you're going GDP to work. doesn't include household yeah. production, right? right? Household production might be 40% of GDP. Well, what, what services did the 50s housewife perform? Everything. Oh, yeah. Everything, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, what, how much was counted? None. Go, go back further to the, the 1800s on the plains. Yeah. Women had, women had it rough, man. There's a, there's a TV show on PBS called Prairie House or Prairie Home. Yeah. And it shows how brutal... You take four modern families and you put them in 1860, 1870s Montana, and the, the the point of the show is to see if people in the modern world could survive a Montana winter. And it was it, it was hardest on the women. I mean, it was brutal. And there's a there's a uh, I forget I forget her name, but she works at the University of Art, and she's a feminist, but she's pro free markets, and she makes the argument that free market capitalism. Lifted women out of these, this these horrible, horrible uh, situations where they were up from six in the morning until ten o'clock at night, making everything from scratch, using uh, essentially a fireplace. Oh yeah, it was, it was a brutal existence. Well, I mean, the, the dudes didn't have it any better, and God help you if you're oh, out, no. if, yeah. if you're out chopping but, wood. But you... the women, the women had it much more difficult because the dudes, you know, they're out on their farm, they go to town more often, they have interactions. Yeah. Women are really isolated on the, in those houses in their house, inside their houses, you know, long distances from their neighbors. Well, God help you, you cut your hand on the axe, and the first, and the yeah. only doctor is four hundred miles away, yeah. and you got to ride there with a, with a busted up hand. I mean, oh but, yeah, but you know. people were like my dad back then; they were mountain doctors, MDs, like Granny Clampett. <laughs> yeah, well, God, God, she was she was special. Anyway, SP futures down eleven, NASDAQ futures down forty five. So, do you think uh, you think the Fed's going to make it all the way to the election without an oopsie? Well, I think they're going to reinflate, and uh, I think I think we're and the government's going to do its best to hide that inflation. Uh, and it's going to look. And are they going to get away? Are they going to really rosy? Are they going to get away with it? If you even put on conservative TV, they'll talk all they want about Joe Biden's kid and all this other kind of stuff. They'll yeah. never. 
they'll never have somebody that gets a, I'll use the term blackboard, and says, these are the numbers you're being fed, and they're all wrong, and here's why. Like you and I I know, do. yeah. I don't, but, no, yeah, but nobody does that. They won't do that. Anyway, yeah, well, it bleeds the leads, right? S&P you got to give the people the red meat. <laughs> S&P futures down 11, S&P futures down 47. Again, we didn't stream, I don't think. We'll have that fixed by tomorrow. But everybody can catch it on the uh, podcast. Uh, we'll be right, be right back tomorrow morning, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.